My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. Welcome back to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. Today, we're excited to welcome our guest, Cindy. Cindy, thanks for coming on and joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Summer. (laughs) We're excited to hear about your story. So let's go ahead and get started. Tell us uh, about yourself, how you met your husband, and just a few details about your life. Okay. Um, I was born and raised in the Mill Creek area in Salt Lake City, Utah. My husband was as well, but we didn't know each other. I was three years younger than him in school. We probably went to some of the same schools, but we did not connect in school. Um, After he served an LDS mission, um, we were set up on a blind date by some of our friends. I think my friend didn't like who his friend was dating and something (laughs) like that. So she um, encouraged her boyfriend to help line us up together. So we went on a blind date, dated for quite some time on and off. You know how relationships are. Mm -hmm. And then ended up getting married probably later in life um, for Salt Lake City, probably, but not for... um, Um, other states, but we um, married. Um, We both graduated from the University of Utah in communications. He graduated in um, public relations, advertising, and mine was more organizational communications. Um, We, he worked um, in advertising. He became the president and partner in an advertising firm in Salt Lake. And I worked in property management, had my real estate license, and um, acquired my um, designation from the Institute of Real Estate Management. Wow. So we had a little bit of education behind us and thought that we were a little bit prepared for life. But (laughs) as we all know, life has its ups and downs and twists and turns. Yeah. And you had children during this time or? Yes. Yes. Um, We had six children. Um, I worked part-time while we had the children. And then um, later on, as we we had the last two, I didn't work at all. I just was a full-time mom. That that was my dream, to be a full-time mom, to be able to stay home with my kids. And it finally was... uh, the opportunity for me to stay home with them. And so your husband was primarily supporting your family with income during that time. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. So what happened after that? Uh, Your life went on. Uh, Tell me more about the events after that. Yeah. Life goes on and um, we had a great, great life. Um, We had, um, as I mentioned, six beautiful children and Um, We had a lot of fun times as a family, but I think my story that um, we will be talking about begins in August of 2008, 
And right before the kids started school, we went on just this fabulous family vacation to one of my favorite places. We spent a week in a beach house in Newport Beach in California. And I love the beach. I love everything about it. I love sitting under the umbrella, reading a book. I love boogie boarding with the kids. We celebrated my youngest child who birthday, who was turning six. And we enjoyed lots of corn dogs at Jane's Corn Dogs, riding bikes along the pier, Balboa, shopping, eating, and just enjoying being together. We had such a wonderful time on that vacation. I had no idea that that would be the last vacation that we would spend together as a family. We arrived home from our vacation the day before school started. And the next day, August 25th, was the first day of school for the kids. And I had two girls that were, one was starting college, one was in college. I had a daughter that was entering her sophomore year in high school. I had a son in junior high. And then the two younger ones were nine and six. And so that was third grade and my baby was going to kindergarten. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a large disparity in the age yeah. groups there. <laughs> but it works wonders for tenders. Yeah. Um, the first day of school was just, just basic. It was just as normal as it can be. Um, taking the kids to school making sure that their nerves were calmed and that they were fed and somewhat happy. The day flew by and the kids came home and I finished preparing dinner and was waiting for Steve, who is my husband, to come home. And the kids were so excited to tell him about their first day of school. And Steve had this wonderful personality. He just had this wit and this um, fun sense of humor. So the kids loved sharing and talking with him. And the younger ones were especially excited to talk to him when he got home. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. First day of kindergarten. First day of kindergarten. He was so excited. And so Steve had gone to the gym on his way home from work um, to work off the post-vacation extra calories. (laughs) (laughs) He was healthy, active. He was a healthy, active man. And he knew he had heart disease in his family tree. And he took that very seriously and he made sure that he got checked regularly and for the most part lived a healthy lifestyle. But what we didn't know at the time was that after the gym, on the way home, he started to have chest pains and he didn't think that they were very severe and continued talking on the phone and making plans on the way home because that was Steve, the ultimate multitasker. (laughs) When he arrived home, we all sat in the family room talking about the kids' day, and Steve never showed any sign of discomfort and didn't tell us that um, he had been having any trouble. He didn't let us know what he was experiencing on the way home. And so he went upstairs to change out of his work clothes to come down and grill some meat for dinner. And when he's walking down the stairs, he yelled for me to come quick. And I could tell by his face and by the tone in his voice that things weren't good. While he was conscious, we, um, he began giving us instructions on who to call and what to do. Steve had a fatal heart attack. Our life as we knew it changed forever. I don't think anything prepares you 
for the sudden and unexpected passing of your spouse, you always believe that that's not going to happen to me. And I really can't describe the grief that is associated with sudden and unexpected death. It seems like a nightmare, only a nightmare that you'd never wake up from. How in the world can I navigate my grief as well as the grief of six children? I was so blessed to have wonderful friends, family, and neighbors that showed up every day to help. They were my earthly angels going about doing good without even being asked. Some would clean, some would bring food, and all of them were there for comfort and support. I, I'm truly blessed. One day I remember someone stopping by who had lost her husband in a snowmobiling accident. I had so many questions for her because I knew what she was going through and I knew that she knew what I had gone through. And I wanted her to tell me about how long this terrible feeling of grief would last. I thought maybe it was like labor with a child. Well, you have this terrible pain, but it eventually goes away. And I kept thinking, how long does it take? Three months, six months, 12 months. I wanted someone to tell me that it would end. But what I didn't comprehend at the time was that grief doesn't go away. I found out through the years that it does soften, but it never goes away. It becomes something that you learn to live with. I was told by a wise person that spoke at Steve's funeral that if we had an ordinary husband or an ordinary father, that this wouldn't be as hard for us. But because we had one of the great fathers and a great husband, our pain was much larger. Steve's greatness made our grief deeper. Steve lived life to his fullest. His life was one of service and example. He blessed the lives of others with his unconditional love, thoughtfulness, kindness, loyalty, brutal honesty. If you ever wanted to know how you really looked in an outfit, he would do <laughs> And his fun sense of humor. After losing your husband so suddenly, what were some of the financial obstacles that you had to face and overcome? Although I thoroughly enjoyed my career, what I really wanted most in life was to be a full-time mom. And when our financial situation was such that I could finally be a full-time mom, I was so happy. Steve worked very hard supporting our family and giving us a great life. He took care of all the finances and I took care of the kids. I never paid the bills, never did the online banking. I'm not even sure I really knew exactly what money we had. Not because it was forbidden for me to know, but because I was living my dream, raising my six beautiful children and not paying attention to things that I didn't think I needed to know. What a shock when I had to figure out our finances, yeah. right? I don't know. I didn't know any of the passwords. I didn't know how much money was in the bank or what was needed to pay bills. However, what I did know is that we had an insurance policy, life insurance policy. We had a will and we had a trust. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Now the trust was definitely not updated, but we were able to do that quite quickly. And it was a great help for us. Fortunately, his friends began to gather, helping me with the legal financial portion of loss. And I was so grateful for Steve's friends who guided me through our financial situation. 
His best friend, the one that we had called the night things changed forever, happens to be a financial advisor. He stepped me through a lot of the finances. My friend's husband, someone I think you know somewhere, <laughs> is an attorney and was able to accompany, to me, accompany me to the bank and to help me with all the legal documents there and other places, among so many other things. There were other friends that stepped in and helped, and I was so grateful. Of course, Social Security, probably you're thinking you've had all these kids. Did you <laughs> take care of that, Cindy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Oh, yes. Well, going to the Social Security office for the first time was unsettling, but I knew how important it was for our family. With a file of documents in my hand, I went to the old Social Security office. I believe it's like 175 East and 400 South. It's not the best part of town. <laughs> in Salt Lake. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the old Social Security office. And I waited in line with mostly unhoused individuals. It was very crowded, loud, and quite frankly, it was scary. When the Social Security office opened, a security guard monitored those of us in line, and he determined who would be next to go in this very small elevator. And he would fill it to capacity, and then it would take us up to our destination. I think with the, when the Social Security representative that helped me um, noticed my insecurities, he tried to make me feel a little more comfortable after we finished, he said, you know, you never have to come here in person again. And I was really grateful for that. Yeah, it's a relief. <laughs> yes. Um, it was not important for me to ever return again in person. I could do everything online um, until now. I'm older now and probably um, as I retire, I might need to go in um, or ask some further questions. Can I ask a question? So... You said that you didn't know what bills were due. You That was not your responsibility or job within your marriage. That is right. And so when he passed away, I'm assuming you had some bills, rent due. How did you get that figured out and sorted out? Do you remember what you did? Yes, I do remember what we did. It took a lot of hands on deck um, with um, my friends that helped me with our finances to sit down with me learn our passwords, get into the bills, figure out what we owed, what we didn't owe. Um, that was a big part of it, just having friends sit down with me and go through step by step what I needed to do because I really, I really didn't know what bills we had and what the finances looked like, but I do now. <laughs> <laughs> you had to learn, right? I had to learn. That's and, right. And just by working it out with some friends and help. Yes. And they kind of help you lots work it out. Lots of calls, lots of expertise. Um, I think you're kind of in a widow fog, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you aren't thinking correctly. You're just thinking, oh, how do I survive? How do I take care of these children? Um, so I was so grateful that I had people that had expertise in finances and legal, all those different um, things that were able to help me so much. 
And then with the social security, that that, that all gets straightened out. Were you able to get social security benefits for all your kids because they qualified yes. for social security benefits? Not all of my kids qualified. Um, you do have to be under 18, I believe. Yeah. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the two college girls didn't qualify for social security, but the younger kids all did. So um, we were able to get that set up and check started to come in for the kids that were under the age of 18 and up until they were 18. And did that take a little while for those checks to come? And It did. It took a while. It took a while and you um, wonder, how am I going to survive? But um, through life insurance proceeds, social security benefits and savings, we had enough money. And I didn't have to go to back to work and I was able to devote my time and attention to my children. And we might not be the wealthiest, but we always had enough. And I'm so grateful and thankful for Steve for for doing that for us. Yeah, it's so awesome that he had a life insurance policy. I think that's sometimes gets really overlooked in the busyness of life. You know, you have kids, you start a family. Getting life insurance might not be the top priority, but if and when, hopefully you never have to, but sometimes life happens and, and people pass away. You have to use that life insurance policy. It's You're really grad, glad you, you got it, yes, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Tell There's me oh, so, so many times when I um, hear people say, well, we don't have life insurance. Um, we're young. We're fine. Everything will be great. Well, you are young and you are fine right now, but we just never know what life is going to bring us. And to not have life insurance um, could be quite unsettling. Uh, you need that for your family. Yeah. Um, Tell me the logistics of, of getting the death benefit on the policy. Did it take a long time? Was it a pretty quick process or yeah. how did that go? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember how long it took. I don't know how quick of a process it was. I know I had a lot of help getting that in the works, but the life insurance proceeds did go for funeral expenses, a burial plot. Um, we didn't have a burial plot. So um, it, it came in time for it came, to arrange the funeral and all of that. It came in time. And I do think that funeral homes give you time to pay your debt to them. So it wasn't something that I had to worry about. But my friend and financial advisor, who I completely trust, um, developed a plan specifically for me. And my plan is set up to try and make sure that I have enough money to live for the rest of my life. I'm on a budget. That's good. (laughs) It helps me not to overspend. And again, it's my plan. It's not someone else's plan. It's my specific plan, something that we figured out together. Did you go and and make this plan right after Steve's passing? Did it take some time? What was kind of your timeline there? Well, the nice thing about it was that my financial planner was Steve's best friend. And he was at our house a lot Uh for many different reasons. And so we were constantly talking about finances and what to do. And he was helping me get those in order. So it was a gradual thing. And I think when we made it, uh, 
when we made an exact financial plan for me, um, it was it was after we had some um, time or time, some life insurance proceeds. So we kind of knew what we were dealing with. Yeah, I kind of can't wait. really make a plan when you don't know what. Yeah, all what the money you have. Yeah. Yes. So yes. he put that together with you, and did you start immediately living on a, a new budget? Right out the gate or? Exactly. A new budget, a budget, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Before, um, I think my budget was, um, I'm a frugal person anyway, but my budget was, hey, don't spend so much. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was my budget, but not a good plan, but it worked for us. Did you notice a total shift in thinking then when you went from, you know, kind of being a little bit more free with your money and then, okay, here's your budget. You need to stick with this. Did you have to kind of, of change? Yeah. Of course. Yes. Um, when you have a budget, of course, you're thinking um, about all the expenses, about all of the bills with the kids and about helping kids with college. Um, I was able to help a little, but a lot, a lot, most of my kids have had to pay the majority of their school by themselves. So Yes, um, it was an adjustment to have a budget, but it it helped me stay with the plan and on course. If you met someone whose husband passed away unexpectedly very recently, what would you say to them? I would tell them, I am so sorry, so sorry for your loss. I think that um, grieving is such a big part of it. But I also think that, uh, well, I think that I've talked a lot about the initial wave of grief and it's paralyzing and it's painful and it's not somewhere that you want to stay in life. And I would tell them to enjoy life, to move forward, to enjoy their children, to enjoy their family, to make sure that they have finances that they can pay for things for their children, for themselves to make the necessary steps, which is going to the social security office maybe, or having a life insurance policy to make sure that you do those things necessary to provide for you and your family for the rest of your life. So be prepared, right? And and get those eggs in a row. Be prepared. <laughs> yes, there, the Boy Scout motto. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else we've missed from your story that you'd like to add or um, tell us about? Well, I think I've talked a lot about grief and um, that's not my whole story. Grief isn't my whole story and I don't want it to be my whole story. I want my story to be um, a happy story to be um, joyful. And I think that's what we really worked at as a family. I just have the best family. We love being together. Um, We make sure that we celebrate all holidays, every holidays. Maybe we make up some holidays. I don't know. We (laughs) love to get together. It's so fun. And we keep the traditions alive that were um, set up and, and, that we were doing when Steve was alive. And we have Sunday dinners. We have Nana sleepovers. The list goes on and on Mm. about what we love to do. We do family vacations together. 
And I think what makes me kind of sad is to think of what Steve has missed out on. There's been a lot that's happened. He's missed out on five of my children becoming amazing and productive adults. Our daughters are beautiful mothers and raising the sweetest little ones. They have amazing, wonderful spouses that love and care for all of them. And our son, he watches out for his mom. <laughs> and I'm so grateful. This is your youngest. I'm talking about my oldest son, oh, okay, the one okay. that um, is really good with finances. He <laughs> watches out for me and he answers all my questions and helps me in That's so great. many ways. He's just so prosperous and kind. And then there's the baby and he's 20 now. Yeah. <laughs> he's on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Mendoza, Argentina. And I love to watch and see how he's excelling in life. And I just think that Steve would have loved to see that. And I just hope that every once in a while he gets a little peek down here and gets to see how great things are because he has a wonderful posterity. So I've just reflected on the many fun things that we've done together before and after Steve's past. And I just have such an incredible appreciation of time that we were able to be, spend together. And we have a choice on how to live our lives. And I like to, and my family likes to live life to its fullest. Trying not to take things for granted because life is a gift. We never know what twists and turns are going to happen in life. It is a gift. And I've learned so many things over the years. I've learned that hard days don't last forever. And that we mourn our, mourn our incredible loss because of the intense love that we have had. And I've learned never to procrastinate telling someone that you love them. And to spend time with those you love. Maybe mend a disagreement. Don't sweat the small stuff. Maybe buy that special, special something that brings you happiness and joy. And go on that trip that you've been dreaming about if you can do it. And most importantly, I've learned that grief diminishes as we look outside of ourselves and serve others. I have learned the importance of trusting in the Lord. And I know religion is coming in here a little bit, but that's part of my journey. And I just, I've learned the importance of trusting in the Lord and working towards improving my relationship with Him. I've learned to trust in his plan and be the best possible person that I can be because life is to be enjoyed and not endured. And we definitely have found joy in our journey. So beautiful. I love that. I love how you said too, that you're working to live in the moment and to, you know, not wait to take the trip or to buy something that makes you happy. Not that you know, things really bring us happiness, but they, they can. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and how have you tried to do that? Can you give me an example of what you've done to really, you know, maybe in, if your husband hadn't passed away, you might've said, Oh, I, I won't do that. It costs too much. Or it's just such a big project or whatever. What have you tried to do to really live in the moment? Well, there are several things. And I think it started early for me because I think once someone passes away, you realize that, um, life is fragile yeah, and anything can happen at any moment. 
the kids that Christmas. So in 2008, yeah, it would have been still 2008 in December, that Christmas, they got things that I don't think my husband would have approved. (laughs) (laughs) They got the motorized little bikes, not expensive bikes, but you know, those motorized vehicles that were way too dangerous. We could never get our kids. They were forbidden. (laughs) Um, We got the little tiny plastic four-wheeler, not the nice ones, but you know, those that are motorized again. I, I gave them the things that he probably wouldn't have just because I, I knew we'd take all the safety precautions, but life, just go ahead and, and buy what makes you happy at the moment. Um, if you can. Yeah. I love, I love that. I think that's a very common thing we hear with people recently widowed is they do something, you know, especially when you're grieving, yeah, you might want to get something exciting or just to, you know, you're in such sadness. It's nice to get something to brighten up your life. Right. Right. I think one of the biggest things that we do is we always go on family trips together. Yeah. Um, and again, I am a frugal person, so I'm always using points or, um, I determine what credit card to use based on what will give me the points that I need, whether I need points to fly or points to stay, however it works to be able to make that happen. I want it to happen for my kids. I want to take that trip, those memories. Yeah. And along with that, what would you say you do to specifically remember Steve's legacy? What what do you try and do to remember him? There's so many things. And again, it started when they were young, one year for Christmas. And it might have been the year, I'm not sure if it was the year he passed in 2008 or the year after, but I took some of his um, old clothing and I took it to a person that made special bears. So I took his some of his clothing to a uh, special somebody that did uh, care bears and she made bears for each one of the kids out of his clothing. He was an avid Ute fan. And so a lot of it has red in it (laughs) and has the Utah logos. Um, There was also a poem attached to the bear that talked about um, how to remember him. We also have people in the neighborhood that made beautiful blankets for my kids someone composed a poem and hand sewed it into each blanket oh wow that's so special later I was able to take his missionary journal and um, make a book out of it with pictures for my kids and just a journal that he kept on his mission to um, have them remember him Um, I gave it to his family. I also made a quilt for his mother out of um, his jeans and T-shirts so that she could remember um, and have a little something of his. Wow, you've done so much. It's so cool how you have items and things for all your kids. That's really awesome. Oh, you're sweet. And I'm sure you you remember him during holidays and things like that. Is that kind of... Absolutely. Yeah. His memory is always kept alive. We're always taking things to his resting place, Um, whether it's flowers or wreaths or pictures. There's been binkies put on the the burial um, grave plot. Um, Yeah. We always try and talk about him, maybe play some of his favorite music, some Billy Joel music. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we like to 
try and remember all the wonderful um, times we had with him. It's great. Okay, I just thought of a couple more questions before we wrap up our episode here. And I just want to say I appreciate you being so vulnerable on our podcast. I know this will really help a lot of widows um, who maybe are going through what you're going through or people to just be more prepared so they know what boxes to check. Uh, One of the things I wanted to touch on is you mentioned you always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and that really became a reality for you, but obviously your finances changed a lot after Steve passed away. Did you ever end up returning to work, especially, you know, as your kids got out of the house? What, what did that look like? Yeah, I don't think I really absolutely had to return to work, but during the pandemic is when I started working again. I just worked part-time and actually I worked in in the COVID field. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yes. And it was a part, it is, I'm still working. Um, I'm working for the Department of Health and the Infectious Disease Department, but um, it's a part-time job. And really it was to provide me with just a little nest egg for myself. So I had an, a special account that that money went into. I wanted to travel. I wanted to get furniture, update some things in the house. I had big plans for this little nest egg. Uh But what happened is um, I had talked to my financial advisor about um, renovating the top level of my home. It was getting old. It needed a refresh. Uh And so we talked about it. And at the time, which was just a few years ago, he mentioned that, um, well, home equity loans were, the interest rate on them were quite low. So we decided that it would be best for me to take out a home equity loan since the interest was really low, rather than pull from other areas to try and make this work. So I took out a home improvement loan and... um, then things changed, as things always will. <laughs> and interest rates started to go up quite substantially. So as I saw that happen, I realized that my nice little nest egg that I wanted for some personal reasons was going to go towards the home improvement <laughs> loan. <laughs> so I quickly just dumped that whole pot of money um, on my home improvement loan to pay it off so that I wasn't paying that high interest rate. And now I'm starting over on my nice little nest egg. (laughs) (laughs) That's hard, but you're right. Sometimes finances change in a way that no one can predict, right? And so it's hard to hard to say what what to do or what not to do. So that's that's good that you had some backup money. Maybe that's what it was meant for all along. Maybe it was. (laughs) Unfortunately, right? (laughs) And then the other thing I realized I did I skipped over is that your husband passed away in 2008. That was a big year in the financial markets. That's kind of a hard time to lose someone and then take over the finances. So what were your emotions? Was. Was it hard for you? How did you handle it? Honestly, I knew about it. I knew that 2008 was a difficult financial year for a lot of people. But I also just turned it completely over to my financial advisor. I'm sure he might have pulled out his hair, got a few gray hairs over it, but I trusted him completely and wholeheartedly. And that's what I had to do just to survive that. That's awesome. So it's a 
great relationship with yes. your advisor and uh, really to be able to write that out. I'm sure your mind was in a lot of other places yes. more yes. than the financial yes. crisis. That's right. It's very great. Um, so I'm curious to know if you've dated after the passing of your spouse, since you were such a young widow, a lot more life to live. What, what did that look like? Yes. Yes. Well, I never pursued dating per se. I didn't go online and pursue it, but in around 2013, um, my husband had a missionary companion that we had met several times, that I had met several times when we were dating. We were dating as a couple and his missionary companion and his wife-to-be were dating. we go on double dates together way back when. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, um, we would catch up every once in a while, but we weren't really, really close as couples as time went by. But um, in two I, I don't remember the year that his wife passed, but his wife was at her father's viewing when she had a sudden aneurysm. Oh and, my gosh. Or stroke. I'm not sure exactly which it was, but um, so she passed the night of her father's viewing and that was a really difficult time for him and his family. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe I went to part of the funeral. I think I was tending grandchildren that day and definitely the um, viewing. Um, and so after that, um, we ran into each other at a restaurant and... I think he was on a date and I was picking up food actually. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after that, we started dating. And so we started dating in 2013 and we dated, and again, relationships. You could do a whole podcast on relationships, yeah. right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So we dated from 2013 up until 2017. And again, as every relationship on, off, up, down, you know. He was such a wonderful, kind man. He, he was really so sweet to me, to my family. But um, so we got engaged in 2017. We were going to get married. And prior to getting married, um, we decided that it was best that we had a prenup. And just for the purpose of securing funds for our own children. Yeah, because he had children yes, as well, right? Yes, he had four, I had six. And I think it's really important to um, give your children what is meant for them. Yeah. What is meant for them. And we both agreed on that. It wasn't that one person wanted a prenup, one person didn't. It's something that we both agreed on that that was important to us. But um, we were going to go to Rome on our honeymoon and... It was just kind of the dream vacation for me. And he started to have pain in his hip and he wanted to get it checked out because he said, I don't know how I'm going to handle the flight or walking around Rome with this intense pain. Yeah. So after several doctors and whatnot, he find that one of the doctors suggested that he get a bone biopsy. So the Monday before we were getting married, he, I went with him to get the bone biopsy and I was shocked and, um, scared, um, when I heard some of the possibilities that it could be. 
Um, they told us that we'd know in a couple days what the diagnosis was. Um, but in the meantime, what do I do? I'm getting married Saturday. What are, what are we doing? Should we be doing something different? Should we continue on? I, there were so many things going through my brain. So finally, Wednesday, um, when the diagnosis came and we had met with one of our ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical is that how you say yes, it? Yes, you got it. <laughs> Leaders, um, we kind of talked and we found out what the diagnosis was. He had metastatic prostate cancer. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And it was not a good diagnosis and it was not going to be an easy thing. So with the help of um, an ecclesiastical leader, we decided that we have postponed the wedding. That was Saturday. So we called off the wedding um, and decided that we would do it another time. But we spent... Um, well, we spent three years having a wonderful time together, traveling. We did go to Europe. We did go to Rome. We did oh, go good. to Italy. <laughs> good. Yes, <laughs> under different circumstances. Um, but we were able to go when he was under treatment and was in a, in a good physical way where he was able to make that trip. Um, I spent a lot of time at doctors with him trying to make him have a good, they knew it was terminal, but we wanted him to have uh, a good life. Yeah. And he did. He, he never complained. He, um, we had a lot of fun together. We really, I, I think that when you know something is going to happen and you know, you're not going to be around, you, you try and get your bucket list done. You try <laughs> and get done everything that you want to get done in life. You know, that, um, like you're not going to be around for that much longer. So, um, after three years, he did pass away. Wow. And we unfortunately never married. Yeah. So. Well, you've been through a lot of, of loss in your life and have really experienced your experienced griever. You can help a lot of people. So I appreciate again, you being willing to share all um, these details. To be honest with you, let's be honest, this is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> this is completely out of my comfort zone. But my feeling and my need to come here today is really if I can just help one person, one person um, learn something or, or feel something that they need to feel from sharing my experience with them, then it is worth being vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that very often. I don't think I've ever gone public with my story. So yeah. this is a first. Yeah. Well, it, it really is a, a wonderful story and I appreciate you being so open with the details. So, um, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing with us and thank you for having me. Appreciate yes. it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do, visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. 
All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.